All right, so you've heard you are what you eat. In the scripture, we'll see today that you are what you follow. Or it's not really what you follow, but it's who you follow. Uh, <clears throat> in thinking of an illustration for this, I dawned upon uh, my last weekend, this past, or was it, where did we go? Friday. We went Friday, yeah. This is uh, Bowman's Farm. This isn't the maze this year. It's their corn maze. Uh, this was one from years past, but uh, anyway, uh, we do this every year. Bowman's Farm's about half hour north of here, and uh, we go with Maggie, and Maggie brought a friend, and so we're in this maze, uh, and you know, you're getting lost and all that, and um, so we decide, you know, the kids want to make a choice on go right, left, straight, or whatever, and so we decided to give this kid a shot, and we followed them. Uh, Turn so Maggie would say well, we want to go this way, and then Elena, the other girl, said we want to go this way. And about a half hour later, we got nowhere because uh, we're following the wrong person. It turns out though that Chris has a corn maze something gene in her that she will get you out of any corn maze in about five minutes. I swear to God, every year we go and we're like, all right, Chris, go. And uh, sure enough. We said, all right, kids, you're done because we want to get out of here. And Chris, five minutes later, had us out the, out the exit. It's amazing. Now, I don't know. I'm like, why are you going this way? It's the wrong way, but I know better now. So, like, this is, God has made our hearts to follow. And none of us come up with a path originally. We come into this world, we're born into this world in Adam, separate from God, born in sin, and we are born with a blank slate. We know nothing. And the, uh, you know, as <clears throat> we've known, like how many people have we followed in the past that led us astray? And, gee, and this is all over the scripture. Like, all, like sheep, we have all gone astray. So um, we are led. God has made us to be led. But not like animals. Although we can be. We can be led by instinct. And when we do that, we become more animal-like. But God has designed our hearts to be led by thought, knowledge. Now, where that knowledge comes from is how fast you're going to get through the maze. You know, who are you following? And Paul's going to bring that out now as he closes this letter in 2 Thessalonians. Uh, before we pray, as you might <coughs> announcement-wise now, that uh, we're going to do a Bible study on Psalm 19 as a, it's a project for school for me. And uh, we're going to gather as a group, like kind of round table. Uh, it's an ex- we're going to experiment with this and, and film it so I can submit it. Uh, and so the hope is tentatively that we're going to do that on Wednesday the 18th. Uh, that's tentative. We can change it. I think because I've got more time to complete this than I thought. But anyway, we're going to start with uh, Wednesday the 18th, somewhere around 4.30-ish, 4, 4.30. And if you can join us, that would be awesome. If you know you're going to join us, I have homework for you. That is, uh, it's only a few pages long. And you don't have to read it. It's not required. But uh, it's just a little background on Psalm 19, just to get you a little... You know, maybe a little insight. Of course, I would expect you read Psalm 19 before you come. Also, <laughs> it's really short. It's a very short psalm. So, yeah. And then 
We'll just have fun. I, I'm thinking, well, it'll be like 15, 20 minutes of, of time. Uh, and then we'll just relax and chat about, you know, what we know and share, share our thoughts with Psalm 19. And I think if, if it works out well, it might be something that we could do periodically throughout the year. That uh, just here and there, just to get us together and, and to chat about things that uh, are important. Okay, so Wednesday the 18th, uh, come see me if you have any questions. Let's open up in prayer. Let's thank God for our time together and for his word as we continue to forge ahead in our study of scripture as God leads us into truth and into life. So with humility and reverence, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, who has set us free and given us the truth, the truth that sets us free. We look today, Father, at following, and we know the one that we're to follow. We're to follow him, our Lord. But as our, our Lord is not here, he has given us wisdom, knowledge. He has also given us the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit within us, to lead us to follow the right way, to follow the right path. You have opened the door to this path through his sacrifice, through the death of your son, whom you forsook for our sins. We thank you, Father, for your amazing grace in doing all of this for us. May we see, Father, what we should walk in and follow. Guide us, Father, in today's message, and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. All rise, please. Casting down their golden crowns of 
Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory.
Uh, let's begin in Second Thessalonians chapter three. <clears throat> so we move to the final part of Second Thessalonians, and Paul closes now the letter uh, with some final thoughts. And this is very common. Uh, turns out that all of Paul's letters are pr- quite common to the time, uh, the time of uh, the Greco-Roman world, in which people wrote letters to each other. Uh, Their format is very similar to other letters. Of course, the content is quite different. Paul closes with some final thoughts. (laughs) Uh, The concern is for prayer for important things, first and foremost. He commands it. He commands that they pray for him. Now, of course, an imperative when asking for command, it is still a request, but it's a strong request. And, And it's for important things. And when you see what Paul wants people to pray for or what he prays for, you see as an example of what we all should be praying for and at least guiding our prayers. And the first thing is that the word of God would run throughout the world. Uh, And he uses a word trek. Uh, The Greek word is treko, where we get our word trek from, and it means to run. And that's what he wants. He wants the word of God to run. And he also wants the deliverers of the messengers of the word of God because they're going to be persecuted. And he asks for prayer for that. Uh, For those who love the word and follow the Lord, his guidance here as he finishes is that we would follow and continue to follow. So if we have been following, we need to keep going and keep following. And that's what we're going to focus on today. And uh, we'll look at this whole paragraph all week. Uh, And finally, as he gets to the end of the letter, he's going to warn us not to remain with those who don't follow. And that means to uh, not separate ourselves from company that is uh, against the truth or against the word. And Paul is going to be very specific here and very harsh in, in our world, you know, which is very liberal uh, Paul knows none of that, and he's going to tell us to refrain from participating with or fellowshipping with those who do not follow the Lord. And, uh, and so we'll look at all of those. For today, uh, our theme is going to be the heart of man that was made to follow thought. We are made to follow. And we're, as I said when we opened, we can follow by instinct, which makes us animal-like, and all of us have some of that. You can't get rid of your animal nature. Let's say just when you're hungry, you're going to follow where the smell of food is, you know. But uh, to follow in life in our inner hearts, and Paul's going to make sure that he points out that this is of the heart. Not It doesn't matter actually where we're going physically, but where our hearts are going is that we have to, we, have, we were made to follow. And we have to follow the right thoughts. We have to follow wisdom, in fact. And wisdom applies to every area of life. And hence, we have to obey that wisdom 
And when we follow the Lord, as Paul's going to be confident here, stating that everyone who follows the Lord is going to follow the Lord into obedience. And we're going to have more and more obedience as more we follow. <clears throat> but in our world, and because we're in this world and have the flesh, uh, there's a competition for our affection. And the competition, as we'll see when we close here with this, in the book of Proverbs, is that there's two women that you can chase. <laughs> and one of them is a woman of virtue and wisdom, and the other is a woman of folly. And they're characterized in the book of Proverbs. And really, the whole of it is what woman are you going to chase? Now, when this is written, it's a man's world, right? Okay, so in our world, which is more unisex, uh, what man do you chase? And, and it doesn't matter. The gender doesn't matter in this. What matters is what are we after? And that's what Paul's going to make an issue out of. So look at chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, <coughs> brethren, so this shows us it's the end of the, the letter. Finally, brethren, pray for us. That's a command, by the way, that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly. That word trek is, means to run. Spread rapidly is fine. That the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you. And that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men. For not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Now, that is very likely a reference to Satan. And we can't say exactly for sure, but it most likely points to that. And that's in contrast to the faithful Lord is the evil one. Right? So there's a great contrast here. And we also have the contrast between perverse and evil men who don't have what? They don't have faith. And then that's contrasted with the faithful Lord. So we have the contrast of evil, unfaithful. Those who don't believe go a path of what we'll see what the word perverse means. And that is in contrast to the Lord who is faithful and also the devil and the Lord who is faithful. So we have these two camps, these two great contrasts that Paul is making. Verse 4, we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. Notice his confidence is not in you to follow the command, but in the Lord. And this, may, this runs into a free will issue, but it actually is, Paul has already several times in his letter commended the Thessalonians for following the Lord, for their increase of faith and love and their perseverance. And so <clears throat> Paul knows that they're going to follow the Lord, and notice that Paul is confident in the Lord to guide them into obedience. See, we're confident in the Lord that you're going to do what we command. And why is he confident in that? Because he knows who these people are. He knows these believers are faithful. They're following. He's seen it. Their faith is increasing. And it's a great principle. If you're following the Lord, you're going to get more obedient. That's a, that's a guarantee. We're confident in the Lord, the faithful Lord, that if you follow him, you're going to get more faithful. You're going to get more obedient and submissive and humble. And finally, verse 5, this is the opening paragraph of the close of the letter. May the Lord direct your heart. See that direct. It means to guide. It means to lead. And may the Lord 
This is another optative uh, that we, we had back in chapter 2. We'll look at that this week a bit. But an optative is a wish. It's a mood of wish. And uh, they're very rare in the New Testament. And we have three of them in this letter. May the Lord direct your heart. And so he's saying, I wish that the Lord direct you into. And here's our end, right? So if we stick to the corn maze analogy, what's at the end? You know, what do you find as you make it through this maze? The love of God and the steadfastness. This Greek word is hupomone, which means endurance. The love of God and the endurance of Christ. Think of the endurance of Christ. What kind of endurance did that man have? And that we're going to be led to? What about the love of God? We spent last week talking about the love of God. The ultimate display of the love of God is the cross of Christ. The sacrifice of self for the benefit of another, for an enemy. And that's where we're going to be led. What is that going to look like when we get there? And no one can describe it. I mean, it can be described, but notice Paul doesn't go into a long description of what it will look like when you see the love of God. He just states it. You have to see it for yourself. And this is, it's a guarantee if you follow. So the Lord has put out for us, follow this path. And what you're going to see is what eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't, ear hasn't heard, not entered into the heart of man ever. No one knows this but me. And you will see it. Follow folly, and you won't see it. And we were made to be led. None of us are original thinkers, though some think they are. None of us are all that smart. Some think they are. They compare themselves with dumber people. I get it. But in essence, we're not. And so we've got to be led in what we are led by. You know, I saw this uh, this quick article about Bear Grylls. Anybody know who Bear Grylls is? I don't know Bear Grylls. Survival expert. Uh, Man vs. Wild is his show. If you like survival shows, you haven't seen this one, I highly recommend it. Bear is a British Special Forces. He's retired. He's a survival expert. He is a bad you-know-what. And he just got this recently baptized in the Jordan um, and proclaiming his faith in Christ. And in this article, he said in the past, he he left his faith as a young man, but then as he got older and he realized how much help he needed. Now, this man can do, he's climbed Everest, uh, you know, Without oxygen and bare-chested or something. I don't know. <coughs> uh, no, but he did climb Everest. And, you know, th- this is a self-sufficient man. I mean, total survivalist. And he said, I realized that it is manly to ask for help, and I needed help. So I went back to my faith, and now he proclaims his faith. And he said the number one survival tool of any survivalist is faith in Christ. He said, of all the things I know how to survive, like this guy can make fire out of two wet, super wet sticks, you know. 
<clears throat> all I know, the greatest survival tool is my faith in Christ. Because it's all here. It's all in your mind. It's mental. And not everybody discovers that, right? I mean, bears, that guy is not any more special than anybody else. We'll see. It's what makes, it's not nature or nurture. You know, which one makes the person, nature or nurture? This has been around this argument forever. Neither. It's faith that makes the person. Faith that makes the man. It's who you're following and what you believe. And your nature and your nurture, God overpowers and overcomes with himself. Because all of us, we've got problems with our natures and our nurtures, right? I mean, who here didn't have a dysfunctional family? No hands go up, right? You went to dysfunction and that function. And that's a terrible joke. <laughs> terrible joke. That's an Ellen Woods joke. If you know Ellen Woods, then you know the source of all terrible jokes. Uh, <clears throat> so we're going to look here quickly at an overview. At a quick glance. In the early church, it is already known that prayer is necessary. This letter is written in uh, around 40-something. So the church is 10 years old. Uh, this is Paul's, these two letters are Paul's first letters in the Scripture. And he already knows, we've already seen it, he's praying for them, he asked them to pray for him. It's already fully known that prayer is necessary and effective. He commands them to pray for him. This is the great Apostle Paul. He says, pray for us that we'll get delivered from evil people. And boy, you know, we just read the book of Acts. This week we'll poke around in Acts and see what kind of evil people he faced. They stoned him to death. They sought to kill him, discredit him, torture him, and they did. And he took it. And you know what he did after they tortured him in that synagogue and then he left? Or say, you know, once you, <clears throat> if you read Acts 13 and 14, you read about his first missionary journey. And then imagine someone says, hey, Paul, let's go on a second missionary journey. Um, I'm busy. You know, that, for most of us, I don't know. I'd be like, I, I already did that. Um, yeah. How about no? But he goes, he leaves one town where he's persecuted and tortured. When he was stoned to death, outside, uh, it's uh, not ilium. <laughs> That's a part of the body. Uh, uh, Lyconium something. Boston. I don't know where he was. When he let, he get, they took him outside the city, stoned him to death. He comes to life again. And where does he go? Right back into the city. Die. Paul here, you want to hear the gospel again? That's what he did. Then he went to the next town, spread the gospel. Next town, spread the gospel. Where does he go? Well, I keep getting beaten to death, half to death in the synagogue. When I go to this town, I think I'll go to the synagogue and do the same thing again. Because what he understands, what is he praying for? That the word of God would run. Love this word, trek. The word of God would run all over. And be received as from God. That is a, it's an important issue that the Word of God would be received, not from Paul, 
not as good advice. A lot of people take it that way. But as the authority of God's Word. This comes from God. These words that you're reading are from heaven, from God. They have all authority over you and me. And then we submit to it. And that the messengers of the Word of God would be delivered from... Now, the word perverse, we'll see, it means unfitting. <clears throat> that literal translation of this word means out of place. So perverse is okay, but in our modern world, we think of perverts as uh, something particular. <laughs> There's a good joke in there. I'll leave it. You know, cause it, Thank you, honey. I'm glad Chris is in class today so she can shake me off. You know, it's like the guy at third base who's saying, no, don't, don't go, don't steal, you know, don't try it. Unfitting means out of place. It's a great word. It means literally out of place. And it tells us that God meant us to be in a place. That we're designed by his will to be of a certain type, to be of a certain kind. And when we're not that type or that kind, we're out of place. And then things aren't right in our hearts. Things aren't right in our souls. <coughs> now, if you go, go back to 1 Thessalonians 2.13. <coughs> Excuse me. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Because in our passage he says um, uh, that the word would be glorified. <coughs> Excuse me. The, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did also with you. Okay, so how is the word of God glorified with the Thessalonians? Look at 2.13, 1 Thessalonians. <coughs> Excuse me. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, you heard it from a, uh, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. You see that? That is how the word of God is glorified. Because he says it, just as it was glorified in you, pray for us that the word of God will be glorified everywhere. And what does it mean to be glorified? They accepted it as from God, not from Paul. So, really good advice? No. I mean, it is. Yeah, sure. Um, a good way to live moral, more than that. Much more than that. It is God himself speaking to us through his word, through his scripture. And therefore, it has all authority. <coughs> but it is popular today in many Christian circles and many Christian churches to accept the word of God as not inspired by God. To accept the word of God as not inspired by God. Whose phone is doing that? Is that okay, well, I'll turn them off. <laughs> Come on. Thank you. Well, I don't know who's... I'm not, I'm not pointing anybody out, but just turn it off. <laughs> it's popular today in Christian circles to accept the word of God as not from God. It's very popular now that, uh, you know, it's good. It was from the apostles. It's also, and, and certainly when they, and because of this, they can say, well, when it doesn't apply to current events, like, for instance, female pastors or homosexuality or same-sex marriage, right? They're all gender issues, right? That, 
you know, that was then in a patriarchal society. Men had great authority, and that's why, you know, that was then. But the, they don't take the Word of God as authority. As it was written, when it was written, by who it was written, to whom it was written, that they don't accept it as authority. And when you, do, when you don't accept it as authority, when it conflicts with your culture or current events, you change it. And it has to be accepted as God's authority. And God is smart enough to write what would apply today, 2,000 years ago. He's plenty smart enough to do that. Secondly, the word of God must be accepted as from God, not from men. And therefore, the scripture has divine authority. Now, when they demand petition for themselves... They, when they demand petition for themselves, that they would be rescued. This word delivered is actually the same word that the Lord uses in the Lord's Prayer. We'll get to that here in a second. What do they ask it? What is Paul saying, deliver us from what? From perverse, those who don't fit, and evil men. And that's what this word means. It means out of place. A non-fitting puzzle piece is a great image for this. Uh, so... You and I are designed to be a certain way, and those without faith are not. And when they're not, they don't fit. No, whether they fit in society or fit into popular culture or fit into their families and people accept them, that doesn't matter. They don't fit in the manner that God has designed them to be. And for Paul, these ones who don't fit are the ones who are persecuting the gospel and they're persecuting him, and they're persecuting the Thessalonians. This means that there's a way or a place that all of us should be. Think of the Ten Commandments. Is it right to steal? No. It's not the way it should be. Is it right to take another man's wife? It's not the way it should be. Marriage has a certain way. People have a certain way. It's all from God. Should I lie in a court of law? No. Should I worship a false god? No. Should I worship myself? Like These are things that God has designed for the human race to be. And us as believers, we have to be all of them. He has designed it, designed us to be. And the epitome of it, if you look in, well, who is it? You know, who's the one that has that? And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. God, the God-man, who is absolutely the way that God willed man to be. And we're all commanded to be like him, be in his image. And how are we going to do that? We can. We have to follow. So then Paul says in verse 3, the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. And this faithful, it's actually uh, uh, the, it's a, something that the Jews in the synagogue would say uh, at the end of a reading. So someone would read, say, a prophecy from Isaiah, and then the congregation would say, the Lord is faithful. They often put their hands in the air when they prayed. The Jews did. They prayed standing up, hands in the air, and they would say, the Lord is faithful. So Paul here is actually saying the same thing, the Lord is faithful, and then he gives his own prophecy which is he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. 
And this is the same wording as our Lord's Prayer. Deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So, why confident in the Lord? All who follow the Lord will be led to obedience. So, notice his confidence. The Lord is faithful. We are confident in the Lord that he will direct you to follow our command. So that's verse 4. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you that you will do that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. <clears throat> then may the Lord direct your heart. Direct. Again, we're just summarizing real quick. We're going to more detail this this week. Mankind has been given hearts that can be directed. And if you're following the Lord, Paul says, we're confident in the Lord that you're going to become more obedient. But there's plenty of people out there trying to stop you. These are the people who don't fit the perverse and evil who are persecuting the Word, persecuting you, trying to stop you. Uh, Maybe they're not willfully doing it. They're just, I think we talked about this last Sunday, that they're just drawing life from you. Uh, and those little brats is what I kind of like to call them. (laughs) These little brats that are all around us are trying to draw our our happiness, our peace, our contentment, our wisdom, even our strength. And and they're oftentimes successful at it because we're starting to follow our anger or our bitterness, and we're not following the truth. We take our eyes off the truth. And we think about them and what they should get and how what a pain in the butt they are. And, and then you lose it. <clears throat> now, we all lose it. We all get off this path. There ain't a sinless one about, among us. But as soon as you're off that path, you need to get right back on. <clears throat> so not by instinct alone. That, that uh, is a way that we are led. And if we are only led by instinct, then you are an animal. But this is by knowledge and understanding and faith in that understanding. What girl are you going to pursue? And so we have, you and I, coming into this world knowing nothing and worse than anything, born in Adam. Born in Adam, fallen, separate from God, ignorant, sinful, we have to follow somebody. This is why God gave parents. This is why the, the strong family has two biological parents who have knowledge and wisdom and discipline, and they raise their kids well. doesn't guarantee that the kids are going to turn out well, but it gives them the far greatest chance. And God designed it this way. And, and doesn't the, the writers of Scripture, especially John, constantly calls us my little children. Little children. And all of us are, aren't we? We're children in adult suits. And as Jesus said, unless you're like one of these children, you will not enter the kingdom of God. We have to follow our Father like children. Being adults in our wisdom and understanding and intellect, for sure. But we have to follow. And this means complete obedience in everything. 
How does God want me to be as a wife, as a husband, as a parent, as a child, as a worker, as a congregation member, as a deacon, as a pastor, as everything? What does he want me to do with my time? What does he want me to do with my work? What does he want me to do with myself, my body? How does he want me to take care of this temple that is his, that he indwells? What does he want me to do? And all of that has wisdom attached to it. <clears throat> now, is he going to force us? No. We often say, well, wouldn't that be great? You know, If I could just say, God, just make me a holy, mature believer. I confess all my sins right now. Whatever they are, there are many. Make me. And it's not, the prayer is going to be a no. We have to learn to follow. And <clears throat> hence, God throws at us all these tests. Love James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you face various trials. Because they create, and that's the word we're going to see, is hupomone, endurance. The trials create endurance in a faith of a certain quality that cannot be moved or broken because it is so steadfast in the understanding and wisdom of what it is we're supposed to do and what it is we are in Christ Jesus. And it's immovable. And that's where God wants us. And there's a journey to that. But the journey is in your heart. There's a discovery in your heart. And the more you discover, the more amazing it is. The more you want to go. And the more you're going to see. <clears throat> so, we have to glorify the Word of God as we've seen. right In our passage here, glorify the Word of God. That means to receive it as from God's authority. Have others pray for you. Paul is asking them to pray for him. It's not out of line to ask people to pray for you. Be delivered from perverse and evil men. And that we pray for ourselves. And how do I know that? Well, here's our Lord, Matthew 6.13. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Both the word lead, deliver, and evil one are all in our passage here. And that word lead is, uh, sorry, the word deliver, is the exact, it's a rare word in the New Testament, and Paul uses it. Deliver us from perverse and evil men. And it's the exact same word that the Lord uses in the Lord's Prayer. Which is odd. I mean, if that word were used like 50 times in the New Testament, you'd say, well, yeah, you know makes sense that it's used in both places, but when it's only used three times, I think it's three, it might be four, but three or four times, and yet it's here and in Paul's pray, pray that we'll be delivered. And the Lord told us, pray that you'll be delivered. And this is the most confusing part of the Lord's prayer for sure. I understand that. And I wish I could unconfuse it for you, but not yet. If I do, we'll write a book, it'll sell millions, and we'll all reap the benefits. Or I'll just reap the benefits and <laughs> not share it. All right, go to Proverbs chapter 1. Who are you going to chase? <clears throat> Proverbs 1, verse 1. 
Now, the writer of the book of Proverbs, if you look at Proverbs 1.1, is indicated as Solomon. Now, Proverbs has a beginning and an end. I know that's no uh, no-brainer to you. But um, the beginning of Proverbs is a more of an introduction, and that's all through chapter 9. So from ver- chapter 1 to chapter 9 is all an introduction. It doesn't, it doesn't read at all like the rest of Proverbs. And Proverbs chapter 10 is where you start to get those two little two-line couplets. So two lines of this is wisdom or whatever, and then you get another one and another one and another one, and they're not related. And that's when you start when you start reading Proverbs in that part, you start going like, what in the world is this? <clears throat> they're two-line Proverbs thrown in there. But in chapters 1 through 9, it's not like that. Chapters 1 through 9 is all about a father telling his son to chase after her and don't chase after her, basically. Now, Solomon, if he is the author of this, and we think he is, it's at the front, so, you know. But is Solomon the author of this is one who chased a lot of women, And in 1 Kings chapter, I think it's in chapter 11, the women that he pursued, which he married, 700 women and 300 concubines, just to get around 1,000, I guess, it says that they led his heart astray. His heart. That's exactly what Paul's writing about. And how did they lead him astray? Well, it wasn't their voluptuous bodies and all of that. I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. But it was their false religions. This Solomon, who was blessed with wisdom, God said, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Solomon said, give me wisdom so I can rule my kingdom properly before you. It was off. That's in chapter 3. God gives him that wisdom. And then years later, with all his prosperity and power and wisdom, everything he had, he pursued false gods. And they led him astray. And he became a fool. So in the book of Proverbs, in the opening, in the first nine chapters, it's the father. But in the last chapter, it's the mother. And the father and the mother ask, which women will you pursue? Wisdom or folly? And this is exactly what Paul is getting at in terms of, may the Lord direct your hearts. Now, may is opted. It's a wish. And the reason why it's a wish is because it's not a guarantee. Because this is up to us. It's up to each of us and who, who and what we're going to pursue. And God has made us this way. God has made us to be the ones who choose what we pursue. We're not going to be led by the nose with a ring in our snout. Or nose. (laughs) You don't have a snout. But, you know, you're not going to be pulled. God's going to set before you wisdom, folly, life, death, light, darkness. And he's going to say, come on, make your choice. And he's, I mean, he's really selling it on his end, right? I mean, with the cross and the gospel and the word and the promises and the fulfilled prophecies. and I mean, 
then we wonder, how could anybody say no? But yet they do. So look at one seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. All right, so here, right at the start, the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. All right, this would get us back to the Word of God is from whom? From Paul? John? No. The Word of God is from God. And therefore, if I'm reading His Word, this should give me some pause. Is this something I can be kind of loose with? Can I take some of it and throw out others? Heck no. This is all from Him. And so the fear of the Lord is an acknowledgement of His authority. And therefore, that is the beginning of knowledge. Verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instructions, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. And the mother isn't going to show up until chapter 31. At the end. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Look at verse 10. Speaking of lady wisdom. I'll call her lady wisdom. My son, if... Um, oh, no, not yet, not yet. Hold on. This is the, the father still in verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without cause. All right, this is leading. Someone wants to lead you. If sinners entice you, do not consent. I thought, you know, it's not too hard to think into your past. All of us here are old enough to have a significant past. And, uh, you know, think of the, the times that you followed the wrong crowd or the wrong people or the wrong one. It doesn't have to be a person. It could be an ideology. It could be a thing. It could be an addiction. And all that where, you know, and especially when we're young, um, you know, and society has it that you can be super cool if you follow the right people. Those Bible-thumping kids are a bunch of nerds that you shouldn't go anywhere near. And how many times have we been led astray by sinners? Verse 15, My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path. See, it's a way, it's a path. Now comes Lady Wisdom. Verse 23. This is uh, Wisdom speaking. It's a she. Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. And you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. Now notice how compassionate Lady Wisdom is. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes. When your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, I will laugh. No compassion, not from wisdom. Right? Wisdom's unbendable. You'll definitely get compassion from God, but that's not the same thing. God is going to be patient, thank God. God is going to be loving and guiding. He will bring discipline to correct you. But notice that is here too. Go back to verse 23 again. She says, turn at my reproof. And so, and all of us are, are recipients of this reproof from the truth, from wisdom, and also from God in terms of discipline. Thank God for it. 
But notice what you have to do. You have to turn. That's a path. You're on the wrong path. You're following the wrong one or the wrong thoughts. And you need to turn to the right one. But that's our choice. We have to turn. Turn is also a word for repentance. <clears throat> so, what will be, we will be the product, sorry, of who we follow, whether wisdom or folly. It's going to make us who we are. Paul said that we, we ask that you pray that we're delivered from perverse and evil men. And then he says, for not all have faith. He tells us why they're perverse and unfitting, out of place and evil. They don't have faith. They don't believe in the things that come from God. Verse 28. Wisdom continuing to speak. They will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. So these are people without faith, rejected the truth, and then they say, but I want all the good things that truth gives. And they're not going to find it. They cannot. Verse 30, they would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. So they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. You reaped what you sowed. For the waywardness of the naive will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But he who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. Now, back in our passage of Paul, who are these men that are persecuting him that he wants deliverance from? Perverse and evil. He, in, in here in Proverbs, you will be at ease from the dread of evil if you follow wisdom. Uh, chapter 2, verse 4. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. If you seek her. And who's her? Lady Wisdom. Uh, verse 12. To deliver you from the evil or from the way of evil or the evil way. To deliver you from the way of evil from the man who speaks perverse things. And here we have it. Both words. Evil and perverse, which refers back to our passage that Paul writes. And <clears throat> this is what we can either be led into or escape. And, uh, you know, when, when we don't fit, it, it messes with our entire souls and we lose our peace. It's when, when you're not right with God, when you're not fitting, when your thinking is not in line with His or in fellowship with His, we are out of place and we know it. And as believers, we can do this. And so we have to return. Return at her reproof. Yeah, wisdom reproves very gently. It's, you know, you get to hear the truth and you know, ah, I violated that. And no one else needs to know this but you and God and you can change in a moment. Verse 13, next. From those who leave the paths of righteousness, uh, sorry, for those who leave the paths of unrighteousness, uprightness to walk in the way of darkness who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways to deliver you from the strange woman from the adulteress who flatters with her words 
And so here she is. Uh, she now appears, and she will be multiple times presented here in Proverbs. And she's called an adulteress. But we must not limit her to an actual person to who, who is asking some man to, who's not her husband to sleep with her. Right? It, this adulteress is the opposite of Lady Wisdom. Whereas wisdom is calling and wisdom is, I've got a list in here, she's prudent, she's insightful, she's forward thinking, she's respectful, she's generous, she's godly, she's patient. This is what we find of her throughout the rest of the book. Wisdom is, and you fill in all the blanks, and as Solomon writes these Proverbs, we find out that wisdom is all of these things. Prudent, gracious, godly, generous, respectful, insightful, prudent, self-controlled, and so on, and on and on. All the virtues that you read of God and of Christ. But this adulterous lady... She is always depicted as self-indulgent, prideful, angry, disrespectful, and ungodly. And the one that you follow is the one that you become. So there she is. Those who, those who walk in the paths of darkness end up with the strange woman. Proverbs 2.19 None who go to her return again, nor do they reach the paths of life. And here we have a path again, the same word. You find it so often here that there's a path, a way, a journey for all of us. It should be the most exciting thing in the world. And it's all lived in our heart. It doesn't matter where we are, who we're with. This path is ours to explore. It is the path of God and the writer of Hebrews calls it the new and living way that God opened the door to. New and living way. We walk this path. And it's a discovery of God Himself. This is what this wisdom is leading you to. Now the other option is this adulteress. And where is she going to take you? Chapter 5, verse 3. I mean, she's enticing to everybody. You say, well... You know, I I don't really feel tempted by adultery. You've got to think outside of adultery here, like literal adultery. This is adultery on God. This is adultery on truth. It could be anything. Anything that tempts you to take your eyes away from God and on yourself or on something else or on the flesh. Some sin that becomes a master of you. It could be anything. It could be fear. It could be worry. It could be an, a physical addiction. It could be anything. The lips of an uh, five three. The lips of an adulteress drip honey, and smoother than oil is her speech. And th this is of the wrong path. It includes everything that is on the wrong path. And her lips drip with honey means that this is enticing to us. I mean, what tempts you? You know, we all have it. I could have you all write what tempts you on a, on a piece of paper without your name, and we'll put it in the bucket. And then I'll pull them out and read them and see if you can pick the person. That would be a fun game. You pick them out, and you'd be like, Pastor Joe, Pastor Joe. 
her, uh, smoother than oil is her speech. This means that there's a, there's a convincing argument made to entice your soul. Right? Satan's no idiot. He's not going to entice us with things that we don't like. He's enticing us with things. And that's why the prayer is, deliver us from the evil one. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Boy, how many of us have woken up with the piercing wormwood sword, right? Like, what in the world? Why did I do that? God is gracious and forgiving so that you can say, you know what? Maybe I should change my path. So the adulteress is Lady Folly. We'll call her Lady Folly. And folly is perfect for this. It's a word that's used in Proverbs quite, quite a bit. It means that you're on the wrong road and you know it, but you keep going. That's what folly really is. It hurts. Signposts, that's like, um, I keep on it. Was Carl Sagan? Is that the? No. I keep calling him Carl Sagan. Sorry, I'm thinking in my own mind. I'm looking at you, honey, like, that's like a generation before you. Um, Twilight Zone, Rod Sterling. Yeah, that's signpost up ahead. It, you know, it's like all these signs are coming up. It hurts to keep going, but I keep going. That's what folly is. She is anyone or anything or any ideology that draws a person down the paths that are unfitting and evil. Unfitting and evil. Now, go back to chapter 3, verse 5. And this is the father again. So chapters 1 through 9 is the father to the son. Here's the father again, 3, 5. It's a very famous verse, and rightly so. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. How much of your heart? Yeah. How much? You know, what path have you made up? And none of us are original thinkers. I say, well, I'm blazing a new path. Yeah, right. Go to Ecclesiastes. There's nothing new under the sun. Said the same man who wrote this, these proverbs. Ain't nothing new. Blaze the new path. It's just your pride, your arrogance. They want you to be a standalone, as if you could be. All of us are born into this world in Adam, separate from God, in sin, and with nothing. We know nothing. And God designed us to be led. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. And that means prosperous. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Wise words. It's a book of wisdom. So we have the father here. That's the father and then the mother. Go Proverbs 31.1. Now if you know this chapter, you think, well, Wait a minute, Proverbs 31 is about this excellent, virtuous wife. And that is true. <clears throat> so if you're a husband, you could print this chapter out, have it laminated on a card, and give it to your wife. I'll say, you know, if you've read this, 
She gets up before dawn, feeds the whole house. She does all the chores. House is spotless. <laughs> Come on, honey. Just reach for it. At least reach. Jeez. Now, and all of it, now think of this, and Solomon's not coming right out and saying this. Plus, this isn't even him. This is probably added later on after Solomon. Nobody knows, though, because nobody knows who King Lemuel is. We haven't a clue. So, verse 1, 31-1, the words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. Yeah, this is included with Proverbs. And notice it's a mother. Now in chapters 1 through 9, at the front of the book, we had a father. And now we have a mother. And the mother says, verse 2, What, O my son, and what, O son of my womb, and what, O son of my vows? And the repetition of what. <laughs> I like it when the Lord, in the, in the um, Sermon on the Mount, he said, if you greet those who greet you and love those who love you only, what you? That's what he says. In the Greek, it's what you. And it's something similar here. What, my son? What? <laughs> and he, she says in verse 3, Don't give, do not give your strength to women or your ways to that which destroys kings. And this, that way, right, to women who destroy kings, well, that takes us right back to this adulteress in the beginning of the book who is prideful. and She's just everything wrong with her. And then he says, verse 10, an excellent wife who can find. Her worth is far above jewels. So this excellent wife, it seems odd if all of a sudden at the end we're going to describe what a great wife is. And certainly, if you could find such a woman, you should marry her on the spot. But, in reference to the entire book of wisdom, this virtuous woman looks like Lady Wisdom who's at the front. Lady Wisdom at the front is one who would be like this. And the mother now has taken over at the very end, and she says, marry her. And this would be our commitment. That's what marriage is. Absolute commitment to wisdom. In other words, I'm not dating wisdom anymore. I'm not pursuing wisdom anymore. Yes, I picked a wedding cake. Maggie uh, helped me pick that picture this morning. There was an Ariel wedding cake. If you know Ariel, the cartoon, the Disney movie, and she wanted an Ariel one. I was like, Maggie, it's church. We can't put Ariel up there. It was like Ariel and the man, and if you know the story, she was a mermaid. Awesome, awesome story. Not fiction. It's, it's all fiction, so there's no mermaid, sorry. But this is, you've committed. And therefore, the virtuous woman, when, for us guys who say, well, look, honey, yeah, it applies to us as well, because this woman and her description of her faithfulness and her work and her commitment to her husband this is to be all of us. And all of us would be like this if we committed. Not just playing around, you know, I'm a, I'm a Bible believer for a couple of weeks and then I leave it. Or I'm a Bible, 
reader for a couple weeks and then I leave it, or a member of a church for a couple months or years and then I leave it. This is, I am committed. I have married wisdom. And if that is true, then your paths will be straight. You commit everything to the Lord. And as you go along, you're going to commit more and more. And so as Paul said, we're confident in the Lord, confident in the Lord that your obedience is going to do nothing but increase because you have committed yourself to this woman. Wisdom. It's the only way to follow the Lord. And with you know, we don't have a, a how-to-do manual on every single situation we face, right? Every single person we face. Don't say that, Keith. That's not what I said. You can't disagree with me. I meant every single detail of every single situation. We have to take from here the wisdom that we learn and apply it to everything that we face. Everything. And from here, we'll know what to say and what to do, what not to say and what not to do. But it's wisdom applied. And if you marry the wrong one, if you choose the wrong one, Proverbs 25, 24. If you want to turn back with me, I'm sure it's only a couple pages. 25, 24. You've got to marry wisdom. You've got to pursue her. It is better to live in the corner of a roof than in a house shared with a contentious woman. <laughs> Every man is going, Amen, Amen. In, the, in that day and age, they did live on their roofs, as some say here in Oregon, roof, like a dog. Pastor, when Pastor Bob he used to call this an attic, you know, he'd be, Pastor Bob would always say, better to live in the corner of an attic. But, so, similar, similar. Better to live in a corner of a roof. This is the, the ramifications of following the wrong way. It's just terrible. All through Proverbs, we're warned about it again and again and again. At the front, the father says, pursue lady wisdom. At the end, the mother says, marry her. Commit to her. And all through the middle, you have the absolute detailed application of wisdom to your life. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for the, uh, the grace that you bring upon us and given us the wisdom, your wisdom, by which to live. To follow wisdom is to follow the Lord. And to follow the Lord is to discover Him. What eye is not seen, ear is not heard. We long to see what you would have us see. We have not seen it all, obviously. And therefore, Father, cause us to see the need to continue to follow. To follow the right path. And therefore, find the love of God, your love, and the endurance of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Right, let's take our offering and uh, let's pray for our offering. Father, thank you for the opportunity to give. And as your priests, we give and worship of you. 
And we ask, Father, that you guide us in the use of the finances you give us to your glory and to the communication of your word. May it run through the whole earth. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Thank you, Father, for our opportunity to be together and for our gathering. Thank you for our church and all that you do for us, providing us food and the people here and, and most of all, most importantly, your word. We dedicate the final moments of our service to anyone who's listening who hasn't believed in Christ as their Savior. If you're listening and you're contemplating, I beg you to please consider who is the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the only Savior of the world, and He has offered Himself to you without cost. He paid for all of your sins on the cross thousands of years ago, but the work was finished when He finished it. He was separated from His Father, forsaken from God for your sins. He is the sacrifice for you. So if you believe upon Him, which is a way of accepting Him, you will be saved. Believe in Him and you will have eternal life. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak that truth to you now.